Dustin Engel in studio. Thanks for being here, man. How you doing? It's good to be here. I'm doing well. End yeah. of the semester. Yeah, things are good. So finals week right now? It is finals week. Yeah. How's that going? Uh, going great for me. My class doesn't have a final. So. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. I think that's going great for your students then as well. Uh, potentially. I mean, in, in my class, yeah. There's a lot of cleanup, like a lot of um, yeah. you know small assignments over the course of the semester. And I teach a freshman class. So students are kind of acclimating to the college experience and realizing that... Um, yeah, there's a lot, lot that they had to stay on top of. What, what is the, uh, what is the thought behind not having a finals? Is it just because you want everybody to show up all the time? You know, I, I don't think exams are a great measure of student. Hey, man, man, learning. I agree with you. I'm not a professor like you, but I've always thought that. And I'm not one of those people that think like there's bad test takers. Like I'm not. I believe in the part of school where you show what you know. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think there's other ways to do it outside of exams that are more effective. So, sure. um, you know, longer term assignments, projects, writing sorts of things. Um, they're just easier to administer. And we have all these uh, you know, newer tools online we can use to do those sorts of things. I just find like the the need for a traditional sit down for two hour exam is is a lot less useful for for anybody involved. Well, I like that. I think that uh, I think that's good. So uh, happy finals week to anybody that's enduring it. Uh, but also happy semifinals week to everybody uh, around the city uh, of Missoula. I see so that's what you did that's what I uh, that's what I want to start is yeah I do find it. It's it's so interesting because I grew up in Missoula, and so I, I you, you only know what you know when you're a kid. You kind of just are kind of used to it. And then I left Missoula for a while, and when you leave places, you you find I think you, you sort of either realize the things that you didn't like about a place, or you you realize the things that were great about a place, or a combination of yeah. both. And one thing that you you just that I always remembered about growing up this time of year in Missoula was when the playoffs would roll around, the city would just be a buzz, and the Grizz are, are still so popular in, in Missoula and, and around Montana. It was even more true back then because we didn't have all these new transplants. So even a larger like percentage of the town was just hanging on all of the Grizz successes yeah. and things. But that, it's still it's still such a huge deal. Well, the buzz has not been nearly as palpable since I moved back in 2017 until right now. Mm. And now you can feel it, man. You just you could just feel it. Part of it's because it's my of my jobs. Like I, I talk on the radio about Montana football all the time. Yeah. That's part of it. Also, with my sales portion of my job, when the Grizz are winning, a lot more people want to let me in the door to see what I'm pitching because they sure. want 10 minutes of my time to tell them about the Grizz. Yep, yep. So that's good, too. But I don't think you just kind of feel it, and I think it still reminds me that even though Missoula's grown so much, it still is a small town. Yeah, and it, and it demonstrates the power of a winning sports team. I mean, I experienced this living in Seattle when the Seahawks were making a deep run into the playoffs, and, you know, the year they won the Super Bowl. It, it just, it's... It, it creates an energy around a town and we can have debates about the sort of the economic value of that energy. And yep. There's been attempts to quantify it, but, um, that sort of community spirit, if it can be channeled into, um, a sense of a positive outlook about what's possible in a community, that, that can be a really wonderful thing. It also just gives us something positive to talk about, sure, right? Yeah, good I, stories mean, are fun. I mean, right after the cat Grizz game, so many of the conversations around Thanksgiving tables yeah. and you know into yeah. the holidays are going to be about the rivalry. And if you're living in Missoula, most of the people are going to be talking about what happened with the Grizz. It's just a lot more positive to ha when you know you're rolled in the rivalry and you know now you're on the run in the playoffs. Yeah, everybody likes a winner. <laughs> no, it's exactly right. When it comes to that economic impact, though, uh, I do think it's still very. Uh, 
a formidable thing. And the last study I saw was a, a couple of years ago, but they say between two point five and three million dollars yeah. each time the Grizz have a playoff game. It makes sense just because of the people coming into town, people going out to eat, going out to drink, all that sort of stuff. All sorts of benefits, and you know, coming into this weekend, having the game fall on Sunday after or Saturday afternoon is is a much better spot for for so many. Play, uh, so many folks in the equation, but uh, the the economic benefits will be uh, uh, more significant as well. Um, it gives people from around the state, around the region, uh, and North Dakota too, to travel. Yes, for to, sure. To Missoula, it's likely you know much easier to sell out the stadium on a Saturday afternoon than it is on a Friday Definitely. evening. You're more likely to get folks to come in for the entirety of the weekend. So two hotel rooms, um, just kind of all all sorts of spillover benefits. Economically, to have it hold this particular space on the uh, on the calendar rather than the Friday night. Well, speaking of tickets, I know the University of Montana has been uh, working in tandem with us to really pump ticket sales these last couple of weeks. Really appreciate that. Thanks to Nick Halsey and the people down there at marketing uh, for for collaborating with us because I do think it's a great audience for us to market to. And obviously, you guys want to sell some tickets. But I'm hearing now a bunch of my buddies that I'm on a group text with, the Grizz Fan Pod guys, really, they were like, they're saying tix, tickets are going super, super fast. They just saw basically being on there, and maybe the tickets might have sold out in the 10 minutes. I mean, they went live for non-season ticket holders at 5, so it's been live for 12 minutes, and they're saying that maybe they could be gone. So, I mean, that's huge, man. That would yeah. be, be cool for the university. Absolutely, and it'd be great for everybody involved to have a packed stadium and that kind of excitement. Um, you know, the stadium was rocking on Friday night, but still, sure. I mean— uh, what was the gate like? About twenty, little over twenty thousand. Yeah, so tw- twenty thousand to change. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a significant number of empty seats. For sure. And you see that visually. It didn't necessarily sound like that, but it, it for sure it felt like it visually. No, for sure. And and then it, you know that's the thing is, it's still a great environment when there's twenty thousand plus people sure. there for sure. But to have a full sellout, it just it makes a whole all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Just from the whole aesthetics and mm-hmm. the buzz and. You know, just the concourses and just how busy it is. It, it just makes you feel like you're in a big-time football game, because you are. It's Noah's Now ESPN Radio, the business angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Business angle, uh, excuse me, Blackfoot Communications, that would be cool if the business angle was doing it. Uh, they're introducing SmartBiz, the ultimate Wi-Fi solution for Missoula's small businesses. With out-of-the-box dedicated networks, top-tier securities, and network failovers, you'll stay seamlessly connected. Just 20 bucks a month, no contracts. Sign up at blackfootsmallbusiness.com backslash better Wi-Fi and to connect, connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. When it comes to the impact that a run like this can have on the university, how, how do you sort of go about gauging that? Is it something that can be almost an instant return or does you, do you have to wait for a certain period of time? Um, there can be instantaneous returns um, in, in a few different ways. Um, it will probably help with student retention, sure. which is a, yeah. very, which is a, a hugely important um variable that we try to manage and you know in the last five or six years i think our retention has gone up um close to 10 percent and just think of it's so much more important to keep a customer that you are so it's easier to keep a customer you are you already have uh, rather than get a new customer sure so that's a really important thing we measure ourselves on it also sort of speaks to the student success and how or the student services and how well everything's working together um so I think retention goes up if you can provide a better on-campus experience and an exciting football product is a part of that experience. It makes people feel the spirit that you talked about. Um, 
there will be likely enrollment, or there can be enrollment benefits. It just puts your brand out uh, on the radar of far more many people. Sure. Um, and you're at the top of a list, and people right. don't necessarily care what the list is, but if you're at the right. top of it, they think that's good. And the other area that can be um, really um, affected is philanthropy. Mm. You know, you're going to have donations pouring in, or you can have donations pouring in to support an athletic program. The football team and athletics in general does really well on those things. Um, but generally, people want to be affiliated with a winner. So um, fundraising for the entirety of the academic operation um, can be dramatically influenced by a winning football team. You've seen that at... Um, Big time uh, schools across the, the Southeastern Conference, for example, those schools like the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Clemsons, the ones that have been perennially strong, yeah. they see a strong correlation between the product they put on the football field and the donations they get to the university, not just for the football team. I think you probably see just a, something as simple as just a little bit of a Google boost too, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, how many people Googled paladins last week? You know, when the Furman's in town, you're like, well, what's a paladin? And then you see sure. their mascot, and he's like this knight, and then all of a sudden you're reading about it on the internet. Yeah, and you can be savvy with your AdWords and how you allocate your your, yeah. your spend in, in terms of Google ads and, and serve people that you know will be searching uh, for new information. You can serve them the sort of content you want them to to receive in order to sort of cultivate the brand associations you want to cultivate. Well, you're so good at the marketing stuff. So let's say we have some scenes from Saturday. Is there a way to like tie that in? I think, the, first of all, the University of Montana commercials, shout out to anybody that was a part of those. They're very yeah, good. Very I, th good. I think they're very good. They're really good. On the you know you see them on the streaming you see them on the terrestrial and uh, they're really good every time I watch them I'm like that's a really good commercial good job guys can you do anything from this that's like sort of an organic cut of this that you can make into a commercial of sorts you mean right from the the content yeah. that's produced on the field yeah absolutely I would I, I mean, mean if I, you have a full stadium might as well right you know and and I think the the folks that run the Mont the, you know the Grizz Football Instagram do a nice job they of do. putting those instant videos out those those quick edits yep. and. I mean, in many ways, that's the coin of the realm in marketing right now, telling those instantaneous stories. And you take a game like the, uh, oh gosh, you, you got you to gotta check me here. What was the game in the snow? Was that was that the Kakariz that was in the snow? This year? No, yeah. uh, th it was the week before, right? Kakariz was not snowing. Uh, right. No, Delaware was in the snow. The Delaware yeah, the game week in after, the snow, that's me, right. Yeah, so anyway... Um, Images like that can yes, really kind yes. of tell a compelling story and are unique to the Montana experience. So that sort of stuff could be packaged and put into a commercial and taking advantage of the national TV audience in, in pretty clever ways. I've always thought it was funny like when, the, when you get the national TV games, like to compare and contrast Bozeman, Missoula, and like Brookings, South Dakota. Yeah. Like they show Bozeman, it's covered in snow, then they pan out, and there's the Bridgers, and they're cutting, they're showing you big sky skiing, and then Missoula... You know, they pan out, and there's Mount Sentinel, and there's the river. All of it. And then in Brookings, they pan out, and there's just mounds of snow and then nothing. Right. <laughs> You're like, is that actually good marketing? I think you're actually showing people this is the coldest place on the earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe for the president, you're like, well, just show the football stadium. Let's not let's not pan out. It's not as now ESPN Radio, the business angle, uh, presented by Blackfoot Communications. So the Grizz got a national TV game last week on ESPN2, so that inevitably does nothing but help. The uh, viewership of that game, pretty good in terms of the Friday nights when people maybe aren't as accustomed yep. to watching college football. Uh, 679,000 viewers. So uh, that's good. I mean, that's certainly uh, significantly more than what has watched the Grizz during their regular season. 
national TV games. I think the playoffs helps. Being in overtime uh, helps. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think of that number? I mean, it seems like that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to get a big number on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, relative to what we've seen in the past for that spot, it's a strong number. Um, it's not, like, abnormally strong, but it's 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 a fine number. I'm not, like, blown out of the water by it, but sure. I don't think of it as a red flag. To put it in perspective, uh, the Bobcat game against William & Mary last year that was on ESPN2, Friday night game, that one drew 491,000. Part of that was because that was a 55-7 to 7 game, so I think a lot of people uh, changed the channel or just flipped right through it, whereas you know, a game that was going back and forth going to overtime is pretty competitive. That that was a, a fun part of what uh, of Friday night with so many viewers uh, on board. And then the, uh, the national TV game um, that was on ABC, the NDSU-South Dakota game, that got over a million, 1.09 excuse me, million viewers. And then uh, Villanova-South Dakota State, which was on ESPN, actually outperformed the network game, yeah. uh, 1.85 million viewers. I mean, that's not surprising given that Villanova's right outside of Philadelphia. They're going to sure. pull that giant media market yes. in. That alumni is strong. You know, they've had such a, a storied history as a basketball school. Mm-hmm. That they have an activated, um, highly engaged alumni fan base in the Mid-Atlantic region, which is such a big market. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right, and uh, also then I think that being that morning time slot on that specific Saturday sure. too, like there's only a couple other games. Army Navy was coming up. Championship Saturday already happened. The Bulls yeah. are on, so you kind of get this exclusive mm-hmm. time. You're not really fighting with anything else there at ten o'clock in the morning. So I think that's uh, another factor. We'll see. I, I'll be interested to see what the TV ratings are coming out of this weekend as well. Um, on one hand. You got, uh, you know, South Dakota State's such a big favorite. You wonder if that chases people away from that Friday night game, especially if they're just absolutely rolling over Albany. They are playing a team from back east, similar to Villanova, not nearly quite the metro area, but still right. a, a populated area. I don't know. Do you think that the perception of what the point spread's going to be scares people away? Uh, I don't know if the average viewer pays attention to this. Especially FCS football. Yeah, I think it's less compelling to the average viewer. I mean, certainly the the gaming audience tunes in, but I still think that's a small segment of the population. I think you just look for general stories. Like you see like, oh, a North Dakota school versus a South Dakota school. That's something I want to pay attention to. That seems like a rivalry. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, the Montana, University of Montana versus University of Idaho. Okay, that seems like, a, if I don't know anything about those schools, right. I know those are two states next to each other. Right. Uh, they seem similar. They're probably going to have an intense rivalry. I'll tune into that. Totally. Uh, it, it is. The, the, the being on brand with each other, certainly, uh, it certainly helps. Uh, one other thing in the college football realm I wanted to ask you about is we've seen these, uh, we've talked about this before, but it, it's really gone into hyperdrive now. Yeah. We've seen this emergence of these NIL collectives. When NIL was first developed, it was all about okay, are you a prominent athlete that has a name, image, or likeness that could be monetized? And if so, you're using that in exchange for money as an endorser or you know, yep. promoter of a good. You're doing a service for an individual or a business. Yep. Now you see this collective, these collectives where they're just giving money to everybody to get them to come to their school. And the amount of, you know branding or imaging that they actually have to do is is limited. And uh, 
I, I the reason this is hit in the hyperdrive now is you're seeing all these Power Five schools coming in using third party agencies to basically broker deals. There's a ton of tampering going on, but there's no real rules being broken because the college coaches aren't the ones doing this. They're having the collectives reach out, and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden, guys are getting six figure offers. It, it just seems like this is not even close to in the spirit of what they created this for. Yeah, uh, it is a great example of sort of an un yeah you you, you just open a system up to uncontrolled market forces and you're going to get outcomes like this you know power accrues to the powerful and you know it's sort of like the old school booster world um just with just out in the open with no regulations and you know you, you can make the argument that like well there's the more transparency well there's also just no limits on the amount of money that can get thrown around in this space and it presents all kinds of conflicts we've talked about some dimensions of it in this segment over you know over the last year or so but you know i, I think you're exactly right like the 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 students student athletes they were supposedly the targeted beneficiary of NIL, right? right? Yes. And and some of them are. Like, it presents income opportunities for a lot of uh, students that uh, otherwise wouldn't have them. And some of these collectives are spreading money around to the non-revenue generating sports in in cool ways for those athletes. It's not just accruing to the men's basketball and football players. but it, it, it is kind of uh, disturbing how much this is sort of uh, just the incentives it's introducing and the amount of people that are trying to get um, their sort of hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. Well, and if there's no regulations on it, as we know, some of the most passionate and also uh, maybe irrational people in the world of sports are the people that are donating money to college yeah, football programs. Yeah. So if there's no parameters on this, I mean, what the doomsday that's coming up is there's a proposal to expand NCAA at division one roster limits. So therefore then if you can have more players on your roster right now, a FBS team can carry 95 players on their roster and 85 of them can be on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Well, if you expand that to 120 or 125, you give them 30 extra roster spots. Then there's a feasible world where you could have 30 quote unquote walk-ons that are getting paid. They're getting their school paid for via the collective. So they're basically getting 30 more scholarships that in itself is going to create an even more unbalanced environment. It's going to gut this level of football even further and that's the part that's crazy is I just think you're going to be losing guys from the Big Sky Conference level that are getting promised this money to go places. And they might not ever even play anywhere, but they're still leaving opportunities where they're stars in leagues that are it's good for the branding of things like the Big Sky Conference. It just seems like it's the bottoms falling out if they let this happen. Yeah, and it's unclear sort of how to stop it. And when the bottom falls out, like, who benefits? Like, there's a ton of money rushing into this system. And, you know, college sports kind of operate in this unique space where they're somewhat, uh, you know, beholden to market forces. Like, it is, there are business dimensions to it. But there's also, like deep-pocketed donors that just like to be associated with a winner who will throw money at a program. And, you know, students could earn some short-term gains, but at the same time, like, are they going to actually get an education? Are they right. going to get experience on the field? Are they, are, is the sort of experience they can get on the field going to be, going to lead to a longer-term career in the sport? 
It seems unlikely. Right. You know, there's only so many seats to go around. For sure. We're not going to expand the NFL. So um, it seems like more people are funneling into a, a, a more compe- what what is becoming a more competitive uh, market with sort of more superstar effects. Right. Right. The, 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 the returns to being a superstar in this world are tremendous, but the number of superstars the system is capable of producing is the same. And then you rob the the small town superstar element out of it sometimes as well. I thought Ty Gregorak brought this up on our Big Sky breakdown. I thought it was a great point. A lot of times, okay, so let's say let's say you're at Montana and you're good enough to go play at Oregon, yep. but you stay at Montana and then you're a local legend and then you decide to make your life in Montana and the amount of opportunities that's going to provide for you because you are a well known beloved person in a small community. I mean, there's a, all sorts of ex Grizz guys around town that are doing great and I'm not saying they're just doing great just because they played for the Grizz, but there is like a symbiotic relationship that exists there. If you just bail somewhere else, yeah, but if, you have if it. like the coach at Nebraska made it pretty plain, like, no, that's it's true. Cost him a couple million bucks to get a quarterback in the transfer portal if you're 20 years old and can take that two million bucks and have the good sense to put it in the bank and earn time value of money right right. like yeah that's going to afford you a lot of opportunities Uh, down the road that being you know a big man about a small town isn't necessarily going to do for you and that's where it's getting skewed too is we're seeing some of these fcs superstars getting offered six figures which in in the greater scheme of things is not going to like change your life forever but it could change your life in the right now yes and it's creating these sort of moral conflicts i mean i heard this story i won't name names or name schools but i heard a story about a guy who entered the portal because he wants to graduate transfer he wants to get a specific master's degree sure. but then as soon as he was in the portal Big schools were alerted to it. So then he got multiple. His intention was to see if he could go to these two specific schools. Yep. And if they, he didn't, he was going to go back to his school. There was an sure. understanding between the coach. But then he gets offered a quarter million dollars in one case. And he's having this complete conflict because he's like, oh, I only wanted to either stay or go to this one school. Yeah. But now there's this other school that's offering me all this money. How do I say no? It's a weird thing. And you wonder, what is what, what is the money going to roll up into? Some of it is philanthropic. Right, right. But like... On the one hand, you've got this sort of Wild West gold rush happening in NIL. But on the other end, you've got players deciding they're not going to participate in their school's bowl game right. so they can save themselves for the NFL draft or they can transfer, go in the transfer portal or whatever sort of next rung up the financial ladder they think they're going to be running to. Those moves then dilute the value of college football broadly yes. and the brand value of each individual program. And so it's 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 interesting. I mean, I, I do feel like there is... Money rushing into a system that's in decline, yes. and it feels like, in general, if it, it has the feeling of a bubble to me. What would be the thing that made it burst? Well, ultimately, a few things can make it burst. A giant scandal, right? Right. That that it's vulnerable to a giant scandal. Now it depends. I, I, I'd have to think hard about what sort of scandal. That's the craziest part: is that the legalization of all this has eliminated so much of the things that previously would be scandalous. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Um, I just think the sort of ultimately, I think what if if I were to have to make a prediction right now, I, I would say that the power imbalances at these institutions, that these college coaches are becoming and will become more powerful than the 
presidents of the universities and or maybe even the governors of the states. Wow. And um, that creates an imbalance that could lead to like, well, well, if I'm Nick Saban, like, why do I need the University of Alabama? Right. Like, well, why do I need all that? Right. If, 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 if I can. And so if there's like whatever those five those eight teams in professional soccer tried to pull that off sure, in the Super right. League yep. and it didn't because of some of the history there and I would say college football if, if they were to try something similar like with the Power Five conferences it might collapse sure. in a similar way um, but it just seems like we're uh, moving toward a a breaking point with the viability of, of college athletics particularly in the form of, of football and I think it's going to come all the way full circle to the impact realignment and things like that because I just think that there's going to be a huge question for state universities with prominent football teams in rural areas, a.k.a. Montana, Idaho, South and North Dakota, Wyoming, yeah. even Colorado, Nevada. There's going to be huge questions where these teams that have a lot of longstanding tradition are getting left in the dust for no other reason than their their financial returns from where they sit and who they compete with. And I just think that's going to, it's all of this is going to come full circle to impact realignment, I think. I mean, too. I was thinking about that when you were talking about the ratings. Yes. And, and I wonder, it'd be interesting to talk to somebody from ESPN. Like, what is the break-even number yeah, of viewers right. they need to have to, to consider a broadcast a success? Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Right. Like, at what point does a broadcast become money making versus money losing? Amen. I would love to see that. We'll pull some numbers from the bowl games because that would be a good comparison. Like the uh, lower tier, like early December Idaho famous potato bowl type bowl games. Yeah. I would love to see the comparison between the uh, the ratings of that and some of these FCS playoff games. It's the business angle, Justin Angle. You can find it on uh, a podcast on the Missoula Broadcasting Podcast Network. as uh, So just search Business Angle uh, on ver- all your various podcast hosting platforms. And you can also find it always here uh, every other Tuesday on Nuanas Now. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let Blackfoot help you and your small business. Visit goblackfoot.com. He's Justin Angle. Joins us a couple times a month here on Nuanas Now. But that's the last time for 2023. So a uh, good year, man. And thanks for being here. What's going on on the New Angle Podcast? New Angle Podcast. This week, we've got two physicians from Hardin, Montana, uh, cool. Lori and Robert uh, Byron. They are, they've practiced on the Crow, Res- Crow Reservation for years, but now they've turned their attention to trying to understand the health impacts of climate change. They've mm. authored a um, health and climate assessment for the state of Montana and trying to raise the salience of how climate change is affecting all of our health in, in profound ways. Wow. Fascinating. We'll check it out. Uh, the new angle podcast, as well as uh, you can find him here uh, every couple of weeks. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, man.